Okay, we're back. It's been months since I put out a, a, an episode. I'm so sorry, y'all. But guess what? We're back. And I'm so excited. I've got a super exciting guest on today that I've been wanting to chat with for a very long time. And we finally made it happen. I would love to welcome Danielle Bellany to the Always Be Burden podcast. Welcome. Sam. So happy to be here. I am so glad that you're finally here. Um, And this is a very special, like, this is like definitely all about Danielle episode, but this is about all about Danielle and Danielle's book because she wrote a whole last book and I'm here for it. It's very cute. We're going to get into it, but I do want to let everybody know in case you don't know who Danielle Bellany is. Danielle Bellany is one of the co-founders of Black Birders Week and Black AF in STEM. Um, she is a wildlife biologist hailing from San Antonio, Texas. She's a cemetery cemetery birder and now a whole ass author. I, that, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of hats. <laughs> I mean, it sounds a little, I, I love the way it sounds. It just runs well together. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> is there um, anything that you want to add to that list? Oh, actually, recently, yeah, I'm going to add on a registered property tax consultant because that's yeah. technically my job, although I am also a wildlife biologist. Um, I also help people with their property taxes. Um, if they manage it for wildlife, they can get like tax breaks and stuff. Okay. All right. Let's add to the list. I'm here for it. I love a mini hat wearer. Yeah. Um, awesome. I am. So I feel like Again, this episode is all about your book, um, but I do, if you want to talk about other things, specifically Black AF and STEM or, you know, Black Birders Week, please get into it if you would like to. I know that I've had other people on from Black Birders Week. We have a whole ass Black Birders Week thing here. I think we know what it is, and I feel like you've talked about it multiple times, and we don't need to, like... Oh, yeah. That'll absolutely. on that if you don't want to. Oh, no, we're all good. I mean, Blacksburgers Week, of course, has done numbers. And um, I'm glad that you've highlighted it the way that you already have in a bunch of your previous episodes. That's because, you know what, this podcast wouldn't be around without Blacksburgers Week. So I always love to shout y'all out no matter what. So and it's always equally more exciting for me to have people who were a part of that original very first Black Birders Week because I would not be like the idea was in my head but that when when y'all put out that initial Black Birders Week that shit lit a fire under me to actually do you know what I mean and so I always take a moment to shout y'all out and it's always Thank so you. lovely for me to have y'all on because it's like a full circle thing for me. So it, it just tickles me. So I'm excited. Big movement needed a bunch of people. I'm glad there's still all this good stuff coming out of it. Absolutely. Definitely looking forward to the next one and whatever comes of that. Now let's get into This is a Book for People Who Love Birds by Danielle Bellany. How did that idea come into your head? What prompted you to even want to write a book? <laughs> Listen, um, honestly, I have never really wanted to write a book. I swore I was never going to write another thing after I did like my grad school um, thesis. I was like, no, nah, I'm, never, I'm never doing this again. Yeah. Um, but uh, shout out to Black Birders Week. Um, you know, so many opportunities came into my lap from the hard work that we put out. And someone just entered my DMs. I was like, hey, do you want to write a book about birds? I'm like, Sure. Um, wow, really? Yeah, just a DM. And so I thought <laughs> like nature, they're real. And it was legit. So I was like, yeah, let's write a book. Um, I, I don't see why not. If the opportunity is here, uh, let's just give it a go. 
Wow, that's wild. I was not expecting that. I thought you were going to say, you know, I've been wanting to write a book since I was like 10 years old, but like, I just didn't know about what. And then I found birds and then cemetery birding. And then, you know, and that's like, oh, somebody just hit you up, slid into your DMs and was like, hey. (laughs) And who am I to turn down a check? So I said, yes. Hey, listen, I'm here for that as well. Um, Okay, cool. So from that, did you, um, again, I don't know really what it takes to write a book. So you should definitely tell us about that because maybe there's people who are listening who are like, I want to write a book. Maybe they've been wanting to write a book since they were 10 years old. So, but like have no idea what that means. And I feel like, was this person that like slid into your DMs like a publisher or like who, who was that? Yeah, so they were an editor for um, Hatchet Books, who was who uh, I did my book with. Uh, so they were an editor, and um, yeah, they were just like, I love some other things that I've written before. I think at that point, I had like a couple of articles out, some really short articles written about cemetery birding, yeah. um, and I think they had liked what I had. Um, they just sent me a DM. I was interested, and uh, from there, they just kind of gave me the outline of not not the outline of the book but outline of like okay here's deadlines and stuff um pretty much they just said I could do whatever I wanted to I'm like oh that's fantastic um uh, we love that no so yeah um, essentially they gave me a guidance of what they wanted the book to be like um structure wise and then after that I kind of filled in what I actually wanted inside of the the contents um so as far as giving people guidance on how to write a book or how to go about this process I am probably not the best person to ask because like literally it's still in my lap. Um, I didn't really want to do it initially, but yeah. like, yeah, so things just kind of worked out. Um, but I, I, I kind of approach everything with the, you know, let's just try our best and see what, it, what happens. Um, so I, I hope that's, that's the best advice I can give is just, Listen, you know, um, I didn't I'll- even know that that was possible that like you could just <laughs> like a book could just fall into your lap like that. And so well, at least it sounds like you had um an easier go at it than maybe most people because I think like the thing about writing a book is that you I feel like the timeline usually is you want to write a book you have the idea for your story whatever it is and then you have to like submit it to all these publishers who are just like this trash this bullshit and like (laughs) just get turned down nine thousand times you know and then and then maybe you get chosen and then it's like now you got to sell all these copies in order to make up for all the time you spent typing away at your computer for this like beautiful idea so I love that it was easy for you you know what I mean yeah and also like writing science is a lot easier than writing like nonfiction or sorry writing fiction or something Mm -hmm. so I could I honestly give big props to the folks who can like create a whole story out of their own head and have a plot line and stuff that's sensational I am yes. not that talented. I am able to take cool facts and write them up in a way that's digestible for um, people who are not very used to reading science. And that's, but that's like a talent in and of itself too. Like when I was reading the book, I definitely was like chuckling here and there because I was like, ah, I see what you did there. And that is like, it was like, it oh, was really, <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was really, like you were saying, it was very um, um, easy to consume, but also you know, fact heavy as well for those people who like that aspect of science, right? And I do think that that's a talent to have something that could be as complex as the history of dinosaurs and evolution of birds and bird anatomy and what is, and even just what what is birding, you know, and make that something that anyone who picks it up could understand. And then, and then walk away wanting to go 
learn more about that that is actually talent so don't 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 knock yourself too much <laughs> yeah and then the folks that I've that I know in person um who have talked to me about how they receive the book they're mostly non-birders in my life like I'm pretty much the only birder that I would like know of um in my family in my friend group mm-hmm. um and then hearing their response to like oh that was pretty cool I'm actually kind of interested in birds and like that's all I need just like a slight interest that's all you really need in that that's a, that, that's more than what I wanted to get across in my book. Awesome. And I think it does come across a lot for sure. So I think you did exactly what you needed to do for that. So now that we know how you got the book deal, congrats, love that for you. I hope all the money in the world is coming into your pocket. Um, if not, hopefully this will prompt more people to go buy it. Um, cause it's super cute. And I am very interested in your, um, in like the flow of the book, if you want to just like launch into like how it's, you know, set up and broken down and we'll just yeah, of course. chat about certain things that pop up. I have a handy copy sitting right next to me. Oh, um, look at that. But anyways, yeah. So opens up, honestly, the first thing I wanted to do was, you know, set the tone. Cause, um, I, I wouldn't have been able to have the interest in biology, I think, if it wasn't for my grandparents. Um, they live kind of near Austin, Texas area, and they have um, they have had this like 13 acre um, plot of land out there that I essentially grew up on. I would spend my summers out there just running around exploring and they would tell me all about the natural things out there. So um, big ups to them for being able to show me how beautiful nature is. So definitely wanted to give them a dedication for the beginning of this book, Um, but also to really all the other Black kids who have had this love for nature and have maybe felt out of place because oftentimes there are not people that look like us in these professional positions. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to keep uh, the encouragement going for some of the younger folks that may not understand um, that they are really critical in being a being a biologist, being a scientist, being a land steward. Um, where mm-hmm. we've been doing this, and we can keep on doing this for for eternity. Yeah. And then with the the land that your grandparents have, there you're doing work with them right now, right? In your day job. So I'm planning to actually. Um, so there's um. So since I am a property tax consultant and a wildlife biologist, so I work for this company called Plateau Land and Wildlife Management. We're essentially helping property landowners in Texas um, keep their property taxes low, but also while managing for wildlife. So I tell them how to manage for wildlife, but in exchange, they also get to save money um, and also effort and time um, on their properties. So it essentially just letting them know the critical role they have in conservation. And my, since my grandparents, they have uh, ag, ag property in Texas, I can help them, um, you know, not have horses on the property since horses are quite a bit of work for them. Um, they can instead manage it for wildlife, which is a lot less work for them. Um, and they can also still, you know, keep the property. We'll probably have it throughout their life, um, probably passed on to our cousins and future mm-hmm. generations down the line. Um, I'll help manage that property since I ha- know how to and also how to keep the property taxes on that area low too. Um, but yeah, just helping Black landowners keep their their property in the family. That's really one of my main missions, but at the same time, it's also my job. <laughs> yeah, but it's so important though, because like, again, if, you know, if um, I have a big thought and I'm like, how do I get this out of my head? Um, going back to like, even just like why you have this dedication in your book to them of them being the reason that you are 
where you are right now, right? And 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 loving birds and like being a wildlife biologist and loving to be outside. It I just imagine, you know, if if especially like black generationally owned land stops being generationally owned and they don't have that anymore, that access to nature gets lost for a lot of youth, you know what I mean? And 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 uh being able to help people keep their land for cheaper because like like I don't know nothing about property tax all I know is when I hear that I think dang that's probably expensive and it probably is is, you know it is so expensive and like no reason it's like hundreds of thousands like it's an (sighs) it's an absurd amount of money that we're saving people um by Mm. doing this wildlife management program instead of doing something else so yeah yeah. And so I think that like, again, I think that that it's, it's important to note like how important your, your dedication actually is because it's such a full circle thing for yourself. You know what I mean? And that this book isn't just necessarily about birds and birding. It's so much deeper. So like, let's get into it because I like love the first part of it. Uh, like, I mean, you. I guess you can like birds and like not care about dinosaurs, but I feel like they go hand in hand naturally. Because like, what kid didn't love dinosaurs growing up? Like, few and far between. If you weren't a dinosaur kid, you, what were you doing? (laughs) Who knows? I. What was I doing? I was like so like making beaded like. You know how you used to make like beaded. Um, Can you start this for me? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> I was a starter all the time. I oh, no way. 100%. Yeah. That was what I was doing. But also, it was like dinosaurs are freaking cool. And I like think that the reason why I love birds too is because they are so ancient. You know what I mean? And I love that you opened this book with that. Yeah, absolutely. We can't forget where birds started. Like, um, so giving some some credit to some of the ancient birds, even. So, of course, Archaeopteryx, the OG bird. We got to say say a little quick thing about that one. Um, you know, being able to be the, not the one of the first to fly. I mean, inspirational to say the least. Honestly, a, a, an OG, real a real OG there, <laughs> and like didn't even know what what was to come from it like it was just out there like I'm gonna fly now thanks you know <laughs> Archaeopteryx Archaeopteryx glided so other birds could fly oh dang mic drop okay mm. that's what you should have put in your book I don't remember reading that <laughs> you're so right I gotta I gotta write another one I guess nah. Yay! Tweet. I'm gonna tweet that one <laughs> <laughs> Um, but of course, other notable ancient birds, um, terror birds. I mean, I would I would have hated to have lived in any other time besides the present because things that lived back then are terrifying. Um, why why are they equipped like that? Why do they have these big old heads, sharp beaks, like terrible like nails? Where mm-hmm. where are they going? Who are they going to go, go meet? I don't know. And it was it. Do you think that it was because like things were just so much bigger back then that they needed the like tools to take out big ass meals essentially for themselves? I think they had to. I mean, yeah. I, I hear about the size of bugs back then. And it's like, okay, I see why everything mm-hmm. is just equipped to murder and just go at it because they need to. Because like, the okay, one of the things that I I really like make me cringe are giant flying bugs, which is why I probably will never go to the Amazon because I cannot deal with any, oh God, just thinking about that. And that's big. Like they're big, like my face, you know, and to, to imagine them being that much bigger and then need, and then like needing a sharp 
beak and like your skull to be like what would you say fused together and like like solid rock or whatever in order to take out something no yeah I don't know how humans got here (laughs) because like honestly everything had to chill out like chill all the way out (laughs) yes in order for us to like do anything and then we had to get like kind of smart and make a tool you know and because they made us like this squishy meat bags you know (laughs) yeah I'm sure terror birds ate really well back in the day until until they were wiped out by a a meteor because what else could wipe them out exactly freaking nature anyway I love that about the dinosaurs and I think that um (laughs) again excuse me the way that um you kind of got into the science around that was very, very digestible. I learned a ton because I was probably not one of those dinosaur kids. Let's be real. I don't know. I liked them, but I wasn't like, you know, geeking out over them. Um, so I didn't even, I honestly didn't even know about a terror bird until very recently in my adult life. And I was like, a terror, a who, a what? Why is it called a terror bird? I love it. I love that. Like the horror geek inside of me is like I want to meet one just no I don't I don't know I said that I don't there's some good YouTube videos that show like I don't know just like renders of fake terror birds that interacting with like real life stuff today so I think that can give you the dose that you need of what a terror bird would would kind of be like okay maybe I'll go google that because I think I need to know I think I need to know (laughs) um one of the other things I want to get into um is then so after you get into the dinosaurs then you get into like anatomy and like what makes a bird a bird right and you get really into um the the way in which they sing and there's a line that had me this is what I'm saying that had me chuckling because I read it a certain way in my head and I was like I would not have read this if a black woman did not make this book and the line is if there's one thing birds have its range and I read that very specifically in my head (laughs) and I just need you to know that like I would not have read that that way if it was a different author I'm just saying and I love that for us I had a moment we had a moment we had a black woman moment you know (laughs) I love that because I definitely sprinkled some stuff throughout the book I was like you know what it's for the people who get it if the girls who get it get it the girls who don't don't so I'm very happy that it hit the intended audience. Love it. Love that. I love that for the this whole thing. It sent me. I love that. And so like, let's talk. I also, you taught me a lot about this too. Like, again, I love birds, but I don't know everything. I didn't go to school for like the anatomy of birds. Like, I don't know. And I don't um, care enough to learn about it on my own. So <laughs> thank you for writing this book because now I know. Uh, but if you want to get into like the song aspect of of the of birds for those people who don't know and how they are able to uh, achieve that range, you know? Yeah, so birds have an absolutely incredible ability to sing. Um, they're able to sing breathing in and breathing out. So they have this kind of like circular breath thing going on. They don't have to stop to breathe. They can mm. just keep going. Mm. Um, they also... Um, they can sing multiple notes at once. Um, it's, it's very fascinating. Um, but yeah, their, their stuff is not set up like ours at all. It's, um, a a lot longer. So they're able to, um, basically give more space to the air that's bouncing around in their throats. Um, it makes more sense (laughs) 
in the book. I'm sorry, I'm paraphrasing it right now. No, you're fine. Essentially, it sounds like they have it instead of like their vocal cords being up in the neck, like throat area, like we do mm-hmm. down in their chest area, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that exactly. allows that space. Yeah, it gives them more space to be able to amplify more. Um, and yeah, and be able to really efficiently breathe um, while they're singing in and in, in, in out. So one of the birds that makes me think of is um, a bird that I've been learning more and more about since I've been traveling to the East Coast a bunch. And it's the mockingbird, which I feel like everybody will get to the trash birds later. But I feel like East Coasters, Midwestern, Westerners are like, oh, it's just a mockingbird because they're <laughs> mad that they got tricked. You know what I mean? And that's fine. I get that. Let's not call them a trash bird. However, again, let's just talk about trash birds right now. You get to it. Uh, yeah, we'll I'll get, get to it later <laughs> because <laughs> right I like now. wrote this quote because I'm I, because it's like I'm I'm embodying this right now. So <laughs> one of the things to um, let's see, where did I write that? Um, one person's trash bird is another person's dream bird. So somebody like me who has not come across mockingbirds every day and I don't get to hear them make these calls or see them or learn about them and like how to ID them and somebody told me we were actually cemetery birding in New York um and one of my friends was telling me that they um will practice their songs and that they they I think that she was saying that they will add a new song onto their entire like Rolodex of songs and like practice it and go through all of it and so when you're talking about like the ability to just continue singing without having to take a breath it makes me think of the mockingbird because I have heard one just go and go and go and go and go and it's so complex and I'm like that's so cool I think they're cool it is pretty cool it's very impressive I mean like you got to be objective when you're thinking about birds you can't ever take anything personally so if they're singing through the middle of the night that's not (laughs) your fault no, they're just lonely. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sad. And also, it's not their fault. Like, they're literally just doing what they're so, like, what their body is telling them to do. You know what I mean? Innately. If I could sing runs and all day and not stop, listen, Beyonce I would sing who? on the sofa no, no, nonstop. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it would be like a world of, of, people who can sing better than Beyonce and like anybody it literally so many people and so I just I just what a beautiful world I don't know like what if we just communicated by singing to each other oh I like that there actually is a village of people I think they're like in Greece or something they communicate through whistles and it's really interesting like very complex whistles interesting I have to google that now you got me googling a whole bunch of terror birds people in <laughs> Greece who whistle I'm here for it um so okay so yeah trash birds no we're not gonna do that um and then also back to song you talk about um a female bird song in your book and this is something that I think I've seen being touched on more and more so lately Um, But I want to get into that. I have not necessarily chatted about that on the podcast. So please tell me more about female birdsong and why it's important. Sure. I'm definitely not an expert on female birdsong. I just know that is a very understudied, very underappreciated. And already off that, it's like, okay, we got to pick up the steam on this. How how are birds so well studied, but then female birds are not studied? Like, I kind of think that personally- um, so mm-hmm. yeah, first off, let's just put it out there. Female birds are just as important as male birds. Like that 
it, it should be self-explanatory, but um, yeah, we should put as much effort into understanding their uh, behaviors, their songs, um, because they do also sing. Mm-hmm. And they sing, uh, there's some species that sing all year round. And you were saying in your book that like, that can link us back to a lot of, like if we study it more, it can link us back to a lot of more, a lot more evolutionary um, understanding of where that stuff has come from. And I want to link this idea of um, female bird song or behavior or coloration or whatever, just female birds being um, understudied to um, something that you talk about later in your book around essentially like racism and birding. You know, that's my jam. That's what this whole damn thing is about. Um, But I mean, we can talk about like why that is. Like we know why female birds are understudied. Like let's just say it. And in fact, you do say it in your book. You say racism has tarnished everything. Yes, even birds. And racism and sexism go hand in hand often. Mm -hmm. Um, It's literally just the fact that, and you talk about this in your book as well, that like the idea of birding or even just the science of ornithology oftentimes get linked back to these um, wealthy white men, you know, who uh, had the money to just literally go kill a bunch of birds and and, like categorize them. Like, good job. Okay, cool. That's nice. (laughs) Um, And so like, Let's talk about that. Like that's the, you know, like dig into a portion of this podcast because that's to me what sets your book apart from what I would consider other books to be, you know, books that are about birds or about birding. Um, I think you have a lot of stuff in your book that sets it apart from other things. Um, But, you know, you really do dive into um, at the beginning part of the section called Watching Birds you know, just the history of racism in birding and just ornithology. So please talk about that more. Yeah, absolutely. So since I was writing this book kind of for beginner birders, really it was for anyone who loves birds, but I was definitely targeting a more novice um, audience. So I kind of wanted to lay out, you know, everything about birding. I can't just jump into watching birds if I don't start more towards the beginning. So essentially, yeah, why... Um, I I have not seen in other books just mentioning like, okay, this bird is called Wilson's so-and-so because it is this. And I've always wondered as a younger birder, like, okay, why is this bird accredited to this person? Who even is this person? So being able to start off birders with the facts of, okay, this is kind of who this type of person is. Um, Just, you know, a disclaimer, um, they did some terrible things and birds shouldn't be named by them. However, they still are. And I think, I, I hope that kind of just gets their, their brain turning like, oh, if the racist names are still there, I bet there's still racist XYZ things here. So I kind of just like help people fill in the rest of the story, but and helping them understand like, okay, from the start, this is kind of, you know, kind of messed up. Let's just, let's just start there. Yeah. And I think that's important because when, you know, the, the rise in people, in general, who want and are enjoying the act of going and looking at birds because they're cool. 
let's be honest, um, it's, it's, it's rising, right? There's a lot more people, pandemic stuff, you know, it's, I think a lot of people are finding the beauty in nature and, and for themselves individually and community too. Um, and so with, with that, one of the ways I personally think that things never change is because we always do this, like we've always done it this way shit. And we continue to recycle the ways in which old systems have perpetuated into these new systems because we aren't doing anything differently. And so when you take the time and you write out, even if it's it's like a page and a half, you know, in, in this in this book, like you write out the fact that, hey, this is what birding is objectively. And here's here's the background of it that you probably won't get. Mm-hmm. And that to me start like you're saying it 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 starts a new birder off of uh, whoever they are wherever they're from anybody it starts a new birder off thinking about birding differently and then wanting to do it a little bit differently and one of my favorite things that you say in there in that moment is that you know you harken back to bird names for birds that movement and mm-hmm. the fact that like literally the bird names don't fucking matter <laughs> and you could go out and you could call this bird whatever you want as long as it's not harmful right mm-hmm. and that to me is one small big small way in which we can start to change and move away from these kind of really racist and sexist homophobic pillars that these hobbies at the end of the day it's just hobby are are founded on and start to do it differently so that it does start to actualize change um and so I really appreciate that note in there thank you and I also dropped in there like sometimes people are wondering like who names birds like there there's actually a group of people in charge of that so yeah again giving that knowledge helps people you know get a little bit more involved in birding instead of just being like oh that's a bird and keep it moving. That's totally fine if you're that way. But yeah. now I also equip you with like, okay, here's some, here's a little bit more if you want to get involved with, with birds a little bit better. Yeah. I, I would say like the quote unquote founders of birding um, oftentimes are uh, white men who mm-hmm. took credit for likely indigenous knowledge or knowledge that they also acquired using enslaved people. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, why why keep on glorifying these names and these folks if clearly they didn't even do half the work mm-hmm. um so obviously you know reattributing the names uh, would be great and you can do that in the names that you make up on your own um but really yeah as long as you're excluding any of the 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 bad isms you know don't obviously don't rename something terribly um I lost yeah, because that already exists and we don't need that anymore. Right. And you also talk about that uh, of where there are birds who are called literal like racial slurs. Literally. And you can go back to my episode, Don't Hate the Player, Hate the Game, where I talk about that, <laughs> about double crested cormorants and what they are called in the South to this day. So I'm not going to get into that. But like, you know, if you're going to go out and name bird all on your own, let's stay away from slurs how about that you know <laughs> so yeah the, the common names alone I've, I've heard some pretty terrible ones but it's like why why do we have why do we not have the same energy for birds who are race, uh, named racist things and then have this really disgusting energy towards black birds it's just like I don't know I, I feel like there's a connection there and it's just like what what's what's really going on we don't want to change the things that are actually racist but then despise a bird that is just 
dark. I don't it's, know. it's confusing. And it's really um, um, uh, something that I think a lot about. And again, why I think it's important to have these types of conversations or this knowledge given to new birders immediately, because if they don't know, they're just like blindly going to perpetuate it. You know what I mean? Maybe they're not out there like using the, 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 the slur names, but Mm -hmm. like, what are, what if, if they don't know that there is a committee that changes bird names? How, you know what I mean? How then, then there's just nothing being done and it still perpetuates anyway. Right. And so, I don't know. I think it's, it's what, what I think, you know, your book in this moment does is it does reflect, like, I think people miss the idea that like this hobby of going and looking at birds because they're cool does still reflect what hap- what is happening in the world right and and social in a social climate because of the lens in which these things are being done mm-hmm. and who is the majority of people that get to do it right who have the gear who have the money all the you know all the stuff that we always talk about on this podcast and and it's just i don't know it's just really refreshing again to have a book that does address it and it be a book and it be yeah. a science book at that you know what i mean i love that Thank you. Thank you. No, thank yeah. you for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did see a lack of other other books, just like never really addressing it. And I was like, is this, I, I don't know, you know how you just kind of like, again, perpetuate systems that kind of continue to damage, even unintentionally. Like mm-hmm. I could have not included this in the book and put something else in there um, and just not really thought sec twice about it. But yeah, I, I just, it grabs my heart as far as why is racism not talked about in birding books but well and that's because your identity is different than the majority of bird authors out there probably I don't I haven't read every single bird book out there by (laughs) any means but I could assume based on the way the world is that a lot of them are probably white (laughs) and so if they don't have that identity they don't have that at the forefront of their minds to even think about they don't have that again it's that lens it's the lens that they're moving through birding with we have a totally different lens because we are able to see the discrimination that a female bird might have being females and the discrimination that these people have towards darker birds which is mm-hmm. weird and stupid. It's a bird. <laughs> like, why are, what? Anyway, and so, like, I think that that is why it's so necessary for the representation and for you to have put this book out because you have a different perspective. And then, therefore, that narrative will be different. What you put out there will be different. And it's in, and it, it kind of, to tie back to the fact that, like, you're saying that, you know, these white men are credited with, discovering birds or whatever the fuck they're credited for okay they only have one one narrative and it's not the only narrative there's so many different identities out there um and so it's time that we have more I do want to (laughs) I gotta ask you talk about lifers in here too Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything (laughs) about life or pies let me tell you no that's like news to me maybe is it maybe it's regional huh yeah it could be but I, I, I feel like the birders that I've heard talk about doing life or activities, life or pie is like the number one thing I hear people talk about. Never in my life. I actually go out and get pie. Never once in my life have I gone to go get the pie. Yeah. (laughs) I've never heard of that. And I've had many lifers, obviously with many different people. What? 
you owe yourself a couple pies. I don't even like pie. I don't even want a pie. That's what I was going to get into is like, I'm going to, I like the life or dance aspect of this. Because when, I don't know if you were there when we were at the Blackbirders retreat, Isaiah Scott, were you standing there when he got- I saw it and I was just giggling. I was like, I love this. This is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> that was like the cutest. What a, an adorable He's human. 30. I, exactly. Or something. What was that? Yeah, I don't even remember what it was. We were like on this like, like, I don't know, dock like pathway for those listening um, at a recent Blackbirders retreat and <laughs> Isaiah Scott, aka Ike's Burning Hikes on IG, what, like found some lifer and then he was like hold on I gotta record my lifer dance and he like got down and I was like that's how I want to celebrate my lifers screw the pie like I want to celebrate in the moment with the dance and I need to know Danielle do you have a lifer dance man listen if I had the knees of a less than 20 <laughs> year old boy I would have man I I also would be doing all kinds of things unfortunately my lifer dance is just like a little a little shoulder shimmy a little, a little shimmy. humble <laughs> humble shape. Um, I wish I could do something a little bit more, uh, more extravagant, but I, I don't, I don't got it in me. That's okay. I feel you. I feel like when I get my lifer, I don't even know that I have a dance. I, I just am like, Oh, lifer. Nice. And then I move on, <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, cool. But apparently maybe I'll, I'll in- incorporate a new, um, lifer activity for myself. Yeah. Give yourself a tradition. Also, you know, lunges are an option, oh, squats, God. you know, some pushups. You, you can, you can do whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. When someone told me they did that. I was like, oh yeah, that's not in my plans. Maybe I'll I'm start carrying around like a bottle of booze. Oh, and just assume that I'm going to get a lifer <laughs> and then just take a shot. Yeah. That's I'm the way to do hurting. it. Love that. Let's make that a thing. Right. I've I've never I've never done that. Drunk birding? Never. Um, I cannot remember if I have, which might say something. (laughs) I don't know. I think it would be a fun ass time. I don't know how many birds you'd see, but it would be fun. (laughs) Drunk in nature, right? That's great. Uh (laughs) so we've been through the majority of the book. I um, can't express how much I love it. I think it's really great. I really want to know how you feel about your book now that you have a book. You have like a by Danielle Bellamy like title now in your name. Like when I I went and got some off of Amazon and it was like, follow the author, Danielle Bellamy. And I was like, I already know her, but okay. You know, I'm like, okay. I love that. I, how do you feel? Like you're a whole ass author. Oh man, I feel good. Honestly, it, it feels it feels great to accomplish a thing in general. Um, as a person who has a ton of ADHD and struggles completing anything, having a physical thing I can hold and look at, and people are congratulating me on it. It feels really good. So, um, personal milestone for me for sure. But I also wrote another book. Um, I wrote a book for kids. It's like. It's technically finished, um, but it's not going to be out for another year. Is this a first? Is this exclusive? <laughs> I think I made a tweet, but uh, besides that, I haven't really talked about it. I'm so, listen, always be burdened with the exclusive scoops. Let me tell you, journalism at its finest in the world of birding. Okay, <laughs> tell me about it. Are you allowed to talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I kind of wanted to hint towards it when we were talking about the racism and birding and also mm-hmm. sexism and birding, um, mm-hmm. because I was very particular about my language in that book. 
um, especially since it's for kids. I, I almost know I'm going to be one of their first intrude introductions to birds. So I ought to, I don't want to create a bias, mm-hmm. um, where I don't need to create a bias. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was definitely very careful about how I talked about female birds and male birds and their coloration. I didn't want to use the words like drab or dull sure. or things sure. like that for obvious reasons. And even though it's a kid's book, um, yeah, they still need to get that foundational understanding. Um, I didn't talk about racism so much in that book. I think the, 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 what my editor wanted from that book was a little different, but I still was able to be very choice in my mm-hmm. words and, um, and things like that. But yeah, it's essentially kind of organized the same way as my, uh, this is a book for people who love birds. Yeah. And, um, it talks about, birds in the beginning just like their basic biology some cool facts about birds and habitats and then in the back is a couple of profile highlights um, of like 40 or so birds uh, for your junior birders I love that what's the age range that is the intended audience I think it's around like I'm gonna say seven ish to like 13 definitely definitely not a beginner beginner reader um but I could definitely grow with the kid as well so I love this because um, I just got back from Arizona where I was working with an organization called Atabay Outdoors. Um, shout out to Raquel. Hello. Um, and we were doing a camping overnight and birding thing with girls who were eight to, I think, 14. And I I am not an educator. And so I didn't necessarily an educator for youth, I will say, in that way. Um, so I didn't really have anything to like give them in order for them to like walk away with more information and more, um, insight into what actually is birding and like, what kind of birds can they find easily around them and stuff like that. And now I'm like, give, give me the kids where they at though, because now I have this book that, well, I will in a year have this book that I can offer them that is written by a black woman because these kids were all black and brown, you, um, young girls and femmes. And so, Mm -hmm. um, that was something that I was struggling with for so like when I was like, well, I don't know what to leave them with, you know what I mean? Um, and I don't want to just leave them with some weird, science heavy thing or something that isn't doesn't reflect them back you know what I mean and who put it out there and so this is great I love that and I also want to say too like I don't know that we need to have that conversation about racism and birding with youth you know what I mean like I think that they get it way more than some adults and as long, I think it's like, I love to hear that you're being intentional about the like wording and the language because that was enough to not sway them one way or another. And like just getting them interested in it, the, and them I'm saying is like black and brown kids, honestly, is gonna like solve the issue later down the road anyway. The more black and brown kids that love birds today, are the more that have them, I don't know, maybe they have land tomorrow. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's a ripple effect, it'll happen. Exactly. Um, and congratulations, I, by the way. And I made sure to put like the common birds that kids would actually see, like a starling and yeah. a pigeon and a house sparrow, which yeah. they're birds too. They still need some love and some shine just because they're not native doesn't mean we can't appreciate them. And it's not a good place. It doesn't mean that they're not a good place for kids to start appreciating them as well. They're they're literally a gateway bird. And I, I, I can't, I'm going to always tell this story. So 
we know, you know, Miss Karina Newsom. When I was in New York in April, um, I went down to Philly and got to meet up with Karina and her, I think it was her sister, her younger sister or her younger cousin was there. Niece, her niece, one of those. <laughs> I think it was her niece. Um, and she was young. She was like maybe nine or something like that. And she, I was like leading, you know, the outing and there was house sparrows. And I was like very vocal to this group of people. We're not going to knock these house sparrows because they're, you know, quote unquote, non-native invasive and or a trash bird back to that um, because they are common and they are a gateway bird. They're easy to spot. They're not like a freaking owl. Like, I don't, you know, those are hard to find. Like raptors are cool as shit, but like, let's not knock them. And so later Karina was telling me that she, like her cousin was so excited that I brought that up because house sparrows are her favorite bird oh it's cute it's cute right and she was just like so happy because she always gets people who knock that but it's her favorite bird you know yeah birders we don't need to be doing that like oh your bird your favorite bird's not this and this and this like come on y'all who cares people enjoy things and definitely don't do that to youth you know what I mean do not do that to youth ever in your life that's horrifying to me to like knock a youth on anything that they love <laughs> period <laughs> so um are you allowed to say the name of this book um I I think so I'm I'm not sure if it's completely I think it's seven stone but it's um actually don't no, do it if you I'm can't not, I'm not sure I'm not sure <laughs> okay. I'm that's not okay sure. it'll be a surprise when okay. you actually officially announce it on Twitter or whenever you're gonna do that Yes, yes. Um, thank you for the exclusive. I love that. I, I can't, I like, I, I was wondering, I was like, is she just going to be like an author now? That's just like your, your third job. <laughs> <I'm> done. <laughs> You're like, no, <laughs> that's fair. Um, cool. I love that. Congratulations. So we kind of already talked about this a little bit. So future for you, you have a new book coming out. Um, do you have any other like goals? I know that like within the work that you're doing, there there's a high need for it um and I don't know if is is it are you exclusively in Texas with that or is that something that you can plug that you do across the nation like um as far as like uh oh yeah so my my, my tax consulting stuff is Texas exclusive for me personally however Mm -hmm. my company they definitely help people outside of Texas so Mm -hmm. if you have something specific um I would say reach out but there's likely a company in your state that does something similar but um yeah I do stuff in Texas um only for work okay um, as far as future like other stuff outside of work yeah um, I'm pretty much chilling right now um I I do need to you know do some publicity stuff for my book but I haven't really set anything in stone honestly I'm just trying to rest right now I I, my goal is to say no to a lot of things, which as a textbook over committer, it would be a good goal for me to complete. <laughs> well, I am glad that you didn't say no to this. Um, I am glad that you didn't say no to putting out your first book and your second book. Um, and I do, I, I feel you on the rest because I like just got out of a six month, like personal hiatus from this podcast, from the world of birding period, um, and social media and all of that. It's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot to always be on and on, on all the time and like invested in the work, quote unquote, 
<laughs> that it takes yeah. to do all the things that you and I are doing as Black folks in the world. And so um, please rest and take care of yourself. And I will be your accountability accountability buddy for that. I'm going to check in. I hope your rest was nice. I hope you had a, a nice and relaxing time away. I did. And I actually like um, feel really, really ready to like hit the ground running with more new stuff. So um, like I said, I'm so glad that you uh, said yes to this and let me know in the future what you, how I can help you with, with publicity and pushing the new book. Um, And then for this book, again, the title of this book is tell us. This is a book for people who love birds. Simple. And I love it. It's out now. You can get it where? Anywhere books are sold literally anywhere books are sold like amazon or i don't know are they like in bookstores and stuff are too? In bookstores. some people have sent me pictures of it in bookstores and if you are one of those people send it again because i would love to see it in a physical store that'd that be super cool so exciting i love that for you oh that's like so like uh um i feel like that would be so um I don't know the word I'm looking for, but I like exciting. I don't know. Something more than that. Oh, there's also puzzles and magnets. Um, oh. Don't forget the puzzles and the magnets. Also, Yeah. Did you miss the puzzles and the magnets? I did. Yeah. So Shoot. there's um, accompanying things that go with it. They're very oh. cute. There's bird magnets and a bird puzzle. The puzzle's pretty cool. It's, uh, like, Does it come with when you buy the book or is it separate? Not with, it's separate. Okay. That's why. I didn't I just looked up the book and so it didn't it didn't pop up that there were other things yeah don't don't miss it next time all right okay for for listeners don't miss it because people do miss it yeah I didn't okay okay we'll 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 make sure that we don't miss that um okay so last thing that I'm gonna say Danielle and I are gonna do a giveaway apparently they're not gonna come with the magnets or the puzzle because I didn't realize that so but Danielle and I are going to post about this in the weeks to come and how you can win a free copy of this is a book for people who love birds by Danielle Bellini stay tuned and Danielle thank you so much for being here with me tonight oh no problem thank you for inviting me this was uh, a dream come true honestly oh oh no don't say that to me oh god honestly like I said before mutual always mutual a dream come true whenever I have anybody literally anybody that I bring on here I'm like I've been dying to talk to you so (laughs) (laughs) it's mutual thank you so much for everybody listening um you can follow Danielle what's your what's your uh handle on in on the socials you can find me on the socials at bells b-e-l-l-z is birding um the rest of that's spelled normally on um, both Twitter and Instagram. Both Twitter and Instagram. I'm I'm mostly on Instagram these days, so Same, I'm, on Twitter, I'm, I'm not doing much. Mm-mm, I don't mess with Twitter no more. Um, great. And then please follow me. Always be burden underscore podcast on the social medias as well. Um, and we will see you next time. Thank you so much. Bye.